Happy Easter to everyone except Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I've got a dilemma right now as we welcome you to this 495th episode of Unscripted. Just five magical episodes away from our 500th episode, which again will come out in the early stages of the month of May. And I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have some guests and I'm looking forward to talking to all of those folks. And uh, I truly am looking forward to to uh, our 500th episode. It's uh, one hell of an accomplishment, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm going to pose this question to you. Chris and I were just talking about this during the break. And, you know, we've always talked about, since we started this in September of 2017, almost three years ago, we've always talked about doing this for the people. Um, you know, it gives us the forum to go out and talk about whatever is on our minds from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But ultimately, you know, it ultimately is for our listeners. It's, you know, Chris has worked so diligently hard on getting us on now to 18 different social media avenues and uh, some that Chris knows about, a couple that Chris doesn't know about, but that's because of the popularity of the show. And um, I'm wondering, now, we have called this, this our last episode of the week, we've called it Freeform Friday pretty much since week number one, I think. And Freeform Friday, just so you know, comes from my radio show 25 years ago that on Fridays, we would do things a little bit differently. Um, we'd have a couple of guests. We'd laugh and giggle and pretend we knew something besides what we didn't know and from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But it was just a nice way to relax, kick back a little bit, and just maybe talk about things that were on the edge of being on the sporting world. But yet, again, you can take it any way that you want, and that was the whole reason. And again, this goes back to 25 years ago. I had a segment on Fridays called Freeform Friday. And that was the way for me to still stay connected to my radio show, still poke fun at Ron Barr. And um, I mean, anytime I can do that is, is worth the time and day. So I'm going to throw this out to you folks. Now, as we're recording today, it is the 17th of April. It technically, and isn't technically, it is Friday. It is a Friday afternoon, April 17th. And so it's apropos, but when Chris releases an episode a day, this episode will be released to the hounds, will be released to unscripted people. We do four a week, so Chris will release 490-whatever on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So this episode will not technically get released until Tuesday. So do we call it Freeform Tuesday? That doesn't sound right. Um Taco Tuesday's already been registered by LeBron James, so I, I, which is dumb as hell. But I'm just asking you folks, do you mind or would you maybe like us to find a different name? I don't know. I kind of like Freeform Friday because it, it, it is something that I bring to the program from 25 years ago, as simple as it may sound. But I don't want people to think that I can't you know, I can't work with people or I can't listen to different ideas. I can do that. So 
if you folks want to chime in on this, whether on our Patreon page, on our brand new beautiful uh, website website page, thank you. I'm still getting over that Roy Halliday thing. You want to go on to our nine different or 18 different now social media avenues and leave, leave a comment? Absolutely. And if there is a consensus that people say, you know, trash it and go to something else or keep it, we'll do it whichever way you folks want to do it. Fair enough. If you have another name, I don't think I'm going to change or I don't think I can't do that. I'm not the boss. Chris is the boss. I don't think Chris will make me change the format. I still like doing it. It's a great way of incorporating another side of our personalities into the show to show that we can talk, you know, opinionated, but still intelligently about things outside of the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But if you guys think that it's time to maybe change the name, I'm all for that, but it's going to be majority rules. If a bunch of people want to change it, then we'll change it. But let's say we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks and see what the consensus is, the, the people's choice is, and we'll go from there. How's that? Sounds good Fair to enough? me. Yeah, okay. you bet. But I think, with all indulgence to the boss, I would like to keep the format the same way. I get a of course. Little, it's a lot of fun for me to sit there and find and make comments to what Chris is finds what people are talking about on, on uh, the internet and on the different, you know, on our Twitter page. But um, I, I'd like the format to stay the same. It's a great way for me to kind of come down. Sometimes, um, especially after 490 or 494, which are the one we just accomplished or uh, completed, in regard to Roy Halliday and Dion Waiters and the stupid things that come out of his mouth and Lou Williams, and I get, I get, <laughs> I get really pumped up, folks. I got to tell you. And it takes, it's funny. I leave Chris's house and go home and it takes me a couple hours to unwind just because I'm very passionate about this stuff. Chris is very passionate about this stuff. Chris is unbelievably passionate about, you know, what Vince McMahon is doing to his employees at WWE. And and obviously we made mention about the passing of Howard Finkel uh, in our first episode this week. And and it's a very passionate thing. And Chris and I are both, both, both easy for me to say with my new Kmart lips, but we're both passionate about the wonderful and wacky world of sports, but what we're talking about and, and, and we have a real sense of involvement with what we talk about. And, and uh, so I don't want to change that, but if you're tired of the name freeform Friday, I'm fine with changing it and it'll be entirely up to you. So, having said all that, and we get the administrative stuff done with, the boss has gone on to our Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash unscriptedmc. That's where he finds this stuff, what he thinks is interesting, what people are discussing on our Twitter page. Chris will bring it up. We talk about it, and uh, we banty it about, and, and we move on to the next topic. Having said all that, I'll hand the microphone and the control of the program over to the executive producer who has done an unbelievable job. I got to say this, and not just because he's my dear friend, the work that Chris has put in to get us on to all these different social media avenues is extraordinary. All credit is due to him. I can't say enough good things, but let's get this free forum Friday for as long as we're keeping it. This free forum Friday party started, hand the control over to the boss, the executive producer of unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke. 
Thanks, Mike. All right. Well, Busted Coverage at Busted Coverage here says this is a look at the future thanks to Corona. And this is Cobblestone Golf Course in Georgia. And I'll show you the video here. But to me, this shouldn't have anything to do with the coronavirus. This should have been like this a long time ago. So here, if you'll see this, you can see where it's got a lever there. Yep. The, the ball's in the hole. You just take your putter, you pull up on the lever, and it shoots out the ball. So number one, they should have had this a long time ago where you just pull something up and the ball pops out. You don't have to you know, lean over and, and reach anything. Number two, I've always said this, that golf holes should be deeper i can't stand when the ball bounces in and bounces up the idea should be much like in football you know as soon as the football goes through the uprights it's a field goal there was that famous monday nighter when it went through you know and it hit the back oh yeah and yeah, bounced yeah, yeah, out yeah, and at first yeah. they said well it's not a field goal. well no no it passed through right as it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter if it's a bird and bounce it doesn't matter it went through nothing else matters after that if a ball goes in the hole yeah it, it's over. Like, to me, it's like there's the there's a line there. As soon as it goes in, it doesn't matter what happens after that. The ball's in the hole. So the, the holes should be deeper, and they can be a lot deeper now if you do this, where you pull up on a lever, and, some, and you know, it brings out the ball out of the hole. That's how it should have been for a long time. Your thoughts on having a lever on the pin that you can easily pop the ball out, not having to bend over and reach in there, and also holes being deeper, potentially. Listen, um, every day... Since uh, COVID nineteen became the the integral part of our lives, good, bad, or indifferent, we're learning something new every day. And um, I think this is the way that we have to move forward with the game of golf. Sometimes the game of golf can be a little starchy, can be a little set, you know, in its ways. Um, they always talk about the history of the game of golf, and and I'm I am totally on board with the history of sports in period. But when you come up and you face a pandemic like that we're facing now, there are going to be adjustments moving forward. And this is a very small one that we can make quite easily and we can move on with our lives. A lot of things that we have taken for granted, depending on how long you've been on this earth, I've been on this earth 55 years, a lot of things are going to change over the next days, weeks, and months because of COVID-19. And I think that this is a positive way for us to get back onto the golf courses that we love and play the game that we love with as with the least amount of social, you know, uh, with the least amount of of uh, contact that we can have. Now, golf courses are never, you know, the golf courses are taking a beating right now because they can't open up uh, their golf courses to people to come play right now. So there's no way if they've got a bunch of people showing up that they're going to send people out in twosomes because they've got to recoup the money or try to recoup some of the money that they're not going to get all the money back, but they're going to try to recoup some of the money that they've lost because of COVID-19. I mentioned last week in one of our shows that all of the Las Vegas golf courses has been closed as of last week. And my dad's just opened in Penticton. My dad's playing. Oh, really? Yeah. Good. Excellent. But... I'm happy for him, um, but having said that, there are going to have to be some changes, and this is this is no skin off of anybody's nose. This is no inconvenience to anybody. Being able to have some help getting the pin out, come on. I mean, we are going to have so many adjustments in our lives over the next, as I just mentioned, days, weeks, and months because of COVID-19. For us to get back onto a golf course, this is a very small thing to have to adjust to. Yeah. 
Okay, this is a weird story, and I found it on New York Post. I did my post, and actually, uh, Nicole Hall also had uh, texted it to me as well. So I don't know if you saw this. Baseball league restarts in Taiwan with robot and mannequin fans in the seats. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen Look at this. And there's, there's, they got robots oh and mannequins sitting there to make it look like fans. Huh. Uh, I guess my question to you would be, why bother? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. I want to get back to a point where we can see our guys and our gals, our athletes, male and female, get back to the sports that is such an integral part of their lives. And as long as we can see it on television and in replays, that's fine enough for me. I don't think there's a way. I really don't believe this. And it goes back to that uh, poll that was released last week from the Stillman Business School at St. John's University, or it's not St. John's, excuse me, Seton Hall University in New Jersey, that had said 73% of Americans that had been uh, polled for this, and the respondents, 73% of the respondents to this poll said that they would not be comfortable going back into a sports arena or a, a stadium until there was a vaccine for COVID-19. I really believe in my heart of hearts, and you can agree with me or not, that's fine, but I believe that that's the way it's going to have to be moving forward. Until there is a vaccine for COVID-19, I don't think you can take the risk of opening up your 70, 80,000 seat arenas and, and sports uh, and stadiums to people en masse until there's a vaccine. And I think, unfortunately, that means gate receipts, that means uh, merchandising, that means concessions, refreshments, yeah. concessions. I, I get all that. But it'd be a really, I think, a huge step in us getting closer to normalcy again if we can at least see our athletes participating in the sport that they love. And whether we don't have the option of going to a stadium and seeing it, at least I think it's a positive that we would get to see them on television. So I think we're taking baby steps here, but a big baby steps would be getting our games back and worrying about when we can get people's fannies back in the stands is secondary right now. I know the owners aren't happy about that, but the fact of the matter is, if we can get our games back on television, that's a step in the right direction. Sure. Okay. Just some quick hits here. Just some tweets. Uh, we've talked about similar stuff in the last few weeks, so we don't need to talk about all of these, but just some tweets I liked uh, in the last week or so. Uh, Israel Adesanya at Stylebender, who I really like. Uh, I think he said it best when he tweeted at Johnny Bones, Hey, pussy, you still there? <laughs> and I enjoyed that a lot. And our buddy Jose Canseco at Jose Canseco said, Happy Easter to everyone except Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. <laughs> uh, and then, oh, um, oh man, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, this wasn't even on Twitter. He just said this to somebody because uh, they were asking about his new team in Arizona. And he said, if I could do it with Brock Osweiler, I think I could do it with anybody. Oh, my God. Which is... Uh, um, You know what? I, I do have to add something <laughs> yeah. that I heard this week that Hopkins was interviewed and he was asked about his trade to Arizona. And he said, I didn't get to listen to the whole thing, but one bit I did get out of it is it's not a surprise to me. I think he was expecting to be traded anywhere. Wow. I just, I, again, I don't know. But here's one of the preeminent wide receivers in the National Football League. And his relationship, and I don't think it could have been bad with, with Watson. I think they had a good rapport. But obviously, and it's my feeling, I could be totally wrong, but it's either Butchin or the offensive coordinator or whoever is the problem in Houston that I think Hopkins had a problem with somebody uh, uh, in Houston. Oh, I think he and Butchin didn't get along. 
And so, and oh, by the way, Butchin came out this week and said that David Johnson is a three down back. He didn't uh, include that uh, he had some time machine to make that a reality. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, what a guy. Anyway, uh, Kevin O'Leary, uh, uh, aka Mr. Wonderful at Kevin O'Leary TV. I enjoy watching him on Shark Tank. I do. Yeah. Uh, someone came out this week and said uh, on Twitter, some random person, I'm not a Wisconsin cheddar cheese fan. And so O'Leary said, who doesn't like Wisconsin cheese? <laughs> well, you know, um, I like Kevin O'Leary. Um, I love his his role on, on the Shark Tank. Um, did get in a little bit of trouble this year with a boating accident uh, in his home uh, outside of Toronto. I don't know whatever became of that. But you know what? Um, that's a shot at the Packers, I think. Um, you know what? And, you know, I think that some people need to realize that, um, this is a pretty popular franchise, uh, in regard to, they even won the Badgers or the Badgers, the Packers even won last week on that, uh, that, uh, made up fantasy or whatever it was mock thing on ESPN as to who the greatest team of all time was. And it came on simulation, of course, but it came down to the Packers and the Patriots and the Packers beat the Patriots in this made up uh, Super Bowl. Um, This is a very popular team and it has to do, I think, with the public ownership of the Packers. And I think that's what makes the Packers endearing to a lot of people because they don't answer to one stifling owner, one idiot owner like a Jerry Jones or a Daniel Schneider or, you know, the plethora of guys that own uh, big league sports teams. The Packers, like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the CFL, are publicly owned, and I think that's what makes them endearing to people. Because just like Joe Blow and his regular job, there's a board of directors, or there's this, that, and the other thing. There is not one singular ownership entity, and I think that's what makes Rough Riders and Packers fans and those teams. Again, in Canada. You may not like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but you know what? You respect them. And I think that's what makes the Packers the same way in the NFL. You may not like the Green Bay Packers, but you respect them because of the unique ownership of the team. And there's a sense when any Tom, Dick, and Harry, even though it's worthless stock, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can have a piece of paper that makes him a quote-unquote shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. My brother-in-law, Bill, owns a sheet of paper at home that gives him a share. It, it, it's absolutely worthless as the paper that is written on, but he spent 250 bucks to own this piece of paper that makes him a shareholder of the Green Bay Packers. All that gets him is an invitation to their shareholders meeting every July before training camp starts. Mark Murphy comes out, they sit you down in Lambeau Field and they talk about, they basically give a state of address to the Green Bay Packers. And that's what makes the Packers and the Rough Riders special in my estimation. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I see that uh, John Jones uh, decided that he was going to uh, respond. Oh, real briefly too. I just, this is just breaking right now. just came in. So uh, the WNBA is holding their draft right now. So I just happened now at uh, first overall, the New York Liberty select Sabrina Ionescu with the first pick of the draft. Is that uh, the young hotshot player from Oregon? Yeah, it's the yeah. University of Oregon guard. She's yeah. going to play alongside Canadian star Kia Nurse, Darnell Nurse's sister. Right. So uh, that should be interesting. But anyway, getting back to this. So John Jones responded to uh, 
to Israel Adesanya saying, hey, pussy, you still there? <laughs> and so he showed the picture of the one time uh, that Adesanya was knocked out, which I think was in kickboxing because he's undefeated in MMA. Okay. Uh, and so I know he's got an oxygen mask on. They're trying to wake him up. And so Bones, uh, John Jones said, wasting all that good oxygen. Someone wake this bitch up and change his tampon. <laughs> so Adesanya, who doesn't ever back down from anyone for any reason, he wrote back and he said, how many times you've been arrested? How many times you pissed hot? How many t- <laughs> how many times you had your belt taken off you? You never learn, you pulsing picto pussy. <laughs> so I really hope this leads to a match between these two. And I hope Adesanya just kills him. And Adesanya is probably better, even though he's a lower weight class. He's probably better than the last two guys, potentially, at least, um, at least one of them, uh, who have, I think, beaten Bones in his last two fights. So I, I really hope this happens. Uh, I would just, someone's got to knock out this idiot. I, for, to complete my education in the UFC, I need to have somebody. I was hoping it was going to be Daniel um, Cormier. I was hoping it was going to be him. I don't think that's going to happen now just because of age and and whatever. But I was listening to uh, Chris the other day on one of my walks talk about UFC 151. That never happened. 151 was canceled because of John Jones. John Jones is still a pain in the ass to everybody involved in UFC. And all of the great things and the things that I respect about Dana White, the tenacity, the work ethic, I mean, he's out there last week. He's trying to turn, overturn and underturn and whatever, over whatever, trying to find a solution to his problem to get UFC 249 uh, up and running last week. And I appreciate that bulldog. I appreciate that tenacity. The one thing, though, the one thing, if I had the access to Mr. White again, like I did back in 2011 for that half an hour at the Vegas Casino, if I had the opportunity, my first question to Mr. White would be simply this. Why do you keep John Jones around? This guy has been a pain in your ass going back to UFC 151. That was never a thing. You know, Chris told me, go through the record books. There's a UFC 149. There's a UFC 150. There's a UFC 152. But no 151 because of that piece of shit. For all the great things that Dana White continues to do and gain a little bit more respect because of his work ethic every flippin' day, I'm still surprised that John Jones is a part of his business plan. I would have gotten rid of him a long time ago. Yeah, well, he needs to get his ass kicked first, and I think that it's just a matter of time. He should have. He should be on a two-fight losing streak right now. So even if he was, it would have been decisions. We still want to see him get knocked out, and Adesanya is the type of guy... Well, I'm hoping it. then that this is the guy that will do it. I'm hoping Mr. White will put something together to get these two guys in the ring, and then we can see the end of John Jerkoff Jones. Exactly. All right, a couple left here. So I don't really fully understand this, but I still think it's funny. Hannah Dickinson at Hans Dickey says, Sex is great, but have you ever cried while taking a shit? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, was it amazing? Cried while I was taking a shit. Well... I had some internal problems years and years and years ago. This was when I was just getting out of the um, radio business. I had gone, you know, because I was traveling back and forth from Calgary to San Francisco. And um, my travel itinerary looked like I was an NBA player. And I had gone down to about 135 pounds. I wasn't eating because 
as you remember, I've told you this before, my time slot was the best time slot ever. It was 6 to 9 Pacific time, which was 9 to midnight Eastern time zone. So I had New York. I had I had them all. I had Philly. I had Miami. I had Washington, D.C. on the East Coast. I had Chicago, St. Louis in the Midwest, Minneapolis, Milwaukee in the Midwest. In the mountain time zone, I had Denver. I had, unfortunately, I had Salt Lake City. I had Phoenix. Uh, I had the big ones. I had all the biggies in Texas. And then on the West Coast, I was still late enough, early enough, whatever. I had L.A., San Francisco, Seattle. I had them all. But that was a toll on my health. And it got to the point where at its very worst, where I wasn't going to the bathroom properly. And I was just constipated to the nth degree. And a doctor gave me something. And when I finally was able to relieve my bowels, I literally cried. <laughs> wow. I literally cried. Should have been a good uh, feeling then. I oh, think. it was. It was great to have that relief. It was awesome. And so that's my uh, that's my poop story. <laughs> uh, so uh, Coach Lafleur also brought this up on Twitter real briefly here. He uh, was talking about the uh, passing of Willie Davis. Any thoughts on him? Oh, Yeah. <sighs> Willie Davis died on Friday, Thursday of this week. Ultimately, the greatest acquisition that Vince Lombardi made as general manager of the Green Bay Packers was sending a bum, and I can't even remember what his name was, but sending some bum to the Cleveland Browns to acquire the rights to Willie Davis. And Willie Davis came on the scene in Green Bay in 1959, 1960, somewhere in there, and was part of all five Packers championships in the 1960s. And here's a guy, here's a guy that understood about life after football. There are so many pinheads out there, i.e. Johnny Manziel, that don't understand about a post-athletic career. This guy understood about a post-athletic career. Here's a guy that would take night classes in Chicago during the season, and Vince Lombardi would allow him to take off practice on certain days to drive down to Chicago to attend these classes, and he ended up getting a master's degree in business and went on to an unbelievable career as a businessman. Owned a bunch of different radio stations all across the United States, bought into Paps Blue Ribbon Beer, for crying out loud, and was just an unbelievably, wildly successful businessman. And it was because of his knowing that football isn't going to last forever, and the guy was an unbelievable uh, a steward, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, or example, or I, I, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss of words right now. But for all of you athletes out there that don't understand about the importance of having an education and your post-athletic career, read a book by Willie Davis, and that will tune you up quite, quite quickly. Well, I got another real oh, other yeah, please, please, go ahead. There was a discussion years ago before Gene Upshaw became the N the head of the NFL Players Association. Ultimately, they were talking about, and they also were talking about making it a, a, a two-guy race in regard to making Gene Upshaw the head of the NFL Players Association, which he ended up doing. But what they wanted to do was bring in potentially Willie Davis as commissioner of the NFL, and a job that ultimately went to Paul Tagliabue. But... What an accomplishment that could have been. Could you see potentially Gene Upshaw as the head of the Players Association and Willie Davis 
as the commissioner of the National Football League. That was discussed, never came to fruition, but it was discussed. And my God, I think Tegelubu did some good things as the NFL commissioner. I think he's a lot better than the current idiot that we've got in there now. But what a what a rousing recommendation recommendation that would have been if Willie Davis could have become the commissioner of the National Football League. Yeah. As a black man, holy Toledo, that would have been... Oh, it's got to happen one of these days. Oh, sure it does. But this was... We're going back into the 80s now. Oh, so, sure, sure. Yeah, you know, of course. This is quite a ways back. Yeah. Well, this wasn't from Twitter, but there was just one last thing I just thought was uh, pretty funny, and it was from... It sort of references your neck of the woods where you grew up, sort of-ish. And so uh, I was watching... I think it was Saturday Night Live. It was an old uh, classic clip where they were doing Family Feud and they had Keenan Thompson as Steve Harvey. And that was really good. And someone said an answer about Canada. And then Keenan Thompson as Steve Harvey, just with that big smile and, and that delivery, just said, Canada? Everyone just knows Canada is just French for Chicago. <laughs> and I don't know why I thought that was funny, but I thought you might enjoy that. Oh, I do enjoy it because, you know, we've discussed this many times on Unscripted. Americans are terrible generally speaking, in regard to geography. I remember watching a Family Feud episode, and they asked, give me the name of the country closest to the United States. And this, unfortunately, African-American woman from Chicago said Mexico. Or I think it was, there was some, it was definitely in the north, is what I'm trying to say. So obviously the, the, the definitive answer would have been Canada. But it's amazing, man. You know, I still, when I go home to this day and, and home in regard to the United States, people you say, and, and if they haven't met you before, they'll say, well, here's Mike and he lives in Canada. And, and people will go, Canada, huh? Is, you know, it'll be in July, right? Because who else would go back to Wisconsin in the winter? Mm -hmm. We've got enough winter here. Um, or even in Vegas, people will go, Canada, hmm. Um, is it snowing up there? Or do you guys have electricity up there? And I'm going, people, wake the hell up. We have nice weather sometimes up here. We have running water. We have uh, electricity running through our homes. It's just, I, I find it funny sometimes. You know, I've been to university down there. I've been to university up here. My daughters, um, I'm very grateful. I've got to be honest with you. Being able to send my daughters to Canadian high schools are a benefactor to my daughters. Because having been to university on both sides of the 49th parallel, I know Canadian high schools and university study the United States a lot closer than any education we would have gotten about Canada down in the United States when I was growing up. Um, you know, when I was growing up, to be honest, anything that I knew about Canada, I did as, as a part of my own wanting to know as self-study. Because I remember being in a classroom and people saying, well, yeah, Canada, well, yeah, what about it? Well, it's north of Sault Ste. Marie because of Lake Superior. And, you know, you ask any American, not any, but a lot of Americans, and you tell them, well, you're from Canada, and then somebody will say, well, do you know Joe from Toronto? Everybody has a guy they know as Joe in Toronto. Let me tell you something, folks. Canada isn't perfect. But I'll tell you something, having been here 24 years, I wouldn't change a goddamn thing. The people are nicer. Yeah, we're, we, pay, we pay a lot in taxes up here, no question about it. But we get a lot more for our bang for our buck than you do in the United States. 
we have universal health care, which is an unbelievable thing. Um, and I wish that the United States could figure that out. We don't all live up here in igloos. We don't all up here with 13 months of winter, even though sometimes I think in Calgary we're you know approaching 11 months of winter. But that's just me because I am a sun god and I'd much rather be in a warmer climate. But having said that, um, there's a lot of great things about Canada, folks. And uh, there's a lot of things that people in the United States, if they took the time to actually learn anything about this great country, I think they'd be really surprised. I really do. Yeah. Well, and, and in fairness, though, I know we, we know we know a lot more, I think, about the U.S. than uh, the other way around. But at the same time, I don't think most Canadians could label all 50 states on a blank map where I can. I'm proud of that. But uh, but then again, on the other hand, well, I don't know if most based on some of the stuff we've seen about people who don't think Virginia touches an ocean. Right. I, I think that maybe a lot of Americans couldn't label all 50 states. Oh, on Oh, there's map. no way. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely not. No, I couldn't agree with that more. A lot of it is independent study and how much you want to learn. But I can tell you, folks, I can tell you a lot of people in the States don't realize the War of 1812 was involving the United States and Canada. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, and I seem to remember us uh, winning without firing a shot, but we Correct. can just ignore Well, no, that. I'm, I, I, but I'm just saying, a lot of people do not under, do not oh, know, know. don't acknowledge in the States that the War of 1812 was between the United States and Canada, and Canada won. Well, yeah, so, well, what we really did, and this was a great history lesson I learned from a great teacher I had who has passed away now, but one of the best teachers I ever had had uh, told us about this. One of the big battles, what they did was they knew that the American general was really scared of the of the natives. Okay. And so what they would do... So they, they took tribes that didn't even really dress up in war paint or anything, but they just made them to make them, like, make them scarier. And so, you know, there was Tecumseh, the leader of the uh, natives, and there was General Isaac Brock, who was Correct. leader of the Canadians. Look at you. And they were, uh, you know, they were a great team together. And Tecumseh always said, like, what was better about General Brock was he said that other leaders would say, Tecumseh you go. And General Isaac Brock would say, Tecumseh, we go. And they would go together. And even though the Canadians and the natives were out outmanned, like 10 to 1 or whatever it was, they what they did was they would do the illusion that there were more. They would have a group of them, and they'd have like a like a, a mountain or a hill or some trees or whatever, and they would have them come out like a wave of them and do like a war dance, and they'd be out here, and then they'd go back this way, and then more would come out. And in the end, it was the same group of them like circling around, but it looked like it was like more and more. And they, there's just like a millions of natives that are like ready to fight. And we don't want any part of this. So like, we, you know, Canada was able to kind of win at times without even firing a shot. And right. it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a pretty interesting war to study, but uh, it doesn't show the U.S. as the glorious undefeated right. yeah. uh, thing. So it's not usually uh, told the uh, correct way. There. The ultimate bandwagon jumpers. Americans in regard to their <laughs> their vision of the war history in the United States, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And I was part of the war history in the United States, so I can say that. So if people are saying derogatory things about me, go ahead. But I was part of Desert Storm in 1990 and 91, so I've done my time. Um, we've got to run on this uh, 495th episode of Unscripted. Really a good week of shows. We kind of put this together at the seat of our pants, and um, I'm very happy that we did. Good week of shows, a lot of good discussion, and uh, found out some really good information about from Chris 
about the future of Unscripted and how tirelessly he has worked to get us on to, listen to this, 18 different social media avenues. Folks, I don't mean this when I say that. I don't mean disrespect when I say this, but it's the honest to God truth. With 18 different ways to listen and comment about Unscripted, if you can't find us now, you ain't looking too hard. That's all I'm going to say. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.